Bomb. Two cinema bombs. <laughs> a very spooky episode. This is a very it's going to be a very spooky episode because listeners all across the world, all across the different time frames and realities. Our listeners, both in the sunken place and in the tunnel places, and in the multiple timelines, and in those terrible little Chicago apartments with no AC, all of you listeners everywhere who have been with us on so many journeys, we are mm. wrapping up our third miniseries. That's right, our third miniseries. I guess well, I remember the name. It wasn't a whole. That was more of a maxi series, right? Right. That is more of what I would call a meta series, a magnum opus. Yes, if you, yeah, will. if you will. Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel accomplished? Do I feel accomplished <laughs> about anything in my life whatsoever? No. Okay. <laughs> do I feel? I feel good about watching these Jordan Peele movies. Yeah. I love the man. Yeah. There's a a lot that I think is really interesting with him. Mm-hmm. And I also think in some ways he is like of a piece with Greta Gerwig. Mm. I don't know. How do you feel? I feel good. I liked watching all of these movies. I enjoyed all of them at least as much as I enjoyed the ones of the Greta that I enjoyed the most. Mm. So like very much just a fun series to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um and not a flop in the bag. N- not a single one. The no. first series. Yeah. Um I do think it benefits from being shorter. Sure. In that regard. Sure. You know, the longer you go, the more likelihood you have. But uh yeah, I and I can't I can't wait to see what he does next. Maybe in an inadvertent way. Mm-hmm. It might be good that he had a three-year gestation period between two and three, you know that I love the messy sequel. Mm-hmm. I love, like, the big swing. Which us certainly feels yes. like. Yes, yes. But I do think that, like, I mean, I think he's going to take a lot from the feedback of it, but I do think just, like, having a quick year turnaround kind of contributes to some of the diminishing return elements of that movie. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like having a lot of time to think about it might be good. Yeah. Be like, after making two incredible movies yeah. in a row, like, what's next? Yeah. And I know that this next one is like another big summer horror project, like the first two. But I hope that isn't all that he does, you know? Yeah. Because Keanu is so good, too. And obviously, I mean, I know that we have, like, two decades worth of his comedy stuff. Sure, sure. But, yeah, like, I want to see him do an action movie. I want to see him do, like, a straight drama. Because I also feel like he is so skilled as a director from Mm -hmm. the off. Obviously, we're looking at the films he's written, but, like, he his confidence as a director and his, like, unique style... Is so good, and I want to see it lent to other things. I don't necessarily want to see him have like this Wes Craven career where it's just like a horror movie every year for 20 years, and you've got like five classics and 15 movies no one's ever heard of, you know? I don't know. I think that'd be kind of awesome. <laughs> we, need, we need people doing that. Like, you need Wes Cravens out there, and like, five classics is a hell of a lot of classics yeah no that's fair you know that's and fair so 
but I do, I do agree that I think, I think it'll be exciting when he does something that is not horror to see what that's like. Mm-hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, like the the guys who started in horror, think about Steven Spielberg, think about Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. Even the movies of theirs that aren't horror, the most successful ones are the ones where they lean into their horror roots. Yeah, it's a good tool. Yeah, to have James Wan too. Who's the Fast and Furious and the Aquaman guy? Mm-hmm. Started out with The Conjuring. Oh, yeah, I think that is a real thing. So wait, yep. What's your ranking? Number three, Keanu. Number two, Get Out. Number one, Us. Uh, and we, I feel like we'll have a broader conversation about this in a second. Mm-hmm. But I think that, uh, like, unquestionably, undeniably, in my head, Get Out is a much better film than Us. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. But I also can't sort of deny that, like, stylistically, I'm much more excited by us. Hmm. I just, like, vibe with us a lot. I assume your ranking is number one, Keanu. <laughs> number two, X-Men Apocalypse. Number three, Hannah Takes the Stairs. <laughs> number four, <laughs> Artemis Fowl. Uh, my ranking, it's it's hard because I loved all of these. Yeah. I will say number three, number three, <laughs> number three, Keanu. Oh I hate to do it. Number three, yeah. Keanu. Number two, Get Out. And number one, Us. Mm. I, I agree. When I first saw Us, I was like, oh, this is like so different from Get Out and so much better. Like when I first saw it, I was like, this is like 10 times deeper and like. Or, like, you know, I was like, wow, there's, like, so much going on. Going back and watching them both back-to-back, I think there's a lot less difference both in quality and in, like, kind of, like, the the kind of storytelling that's going on. Yeah. And I think you're right. He's so specific as a director in Get Out. And, like, it's that, that confidence carries over. And it's just expanded on with an even wider uh, ensemble of actors. And him kind of, like, getting dual performances out of every actor really, like, expands Mm -hmm. the palette, I feel like. Yeah. So I'm just, like, I just geek out for us so hard because of the acting. Mm. Because you get, what do we have? We have four main family members. We have the four other family members. Mm -hmm. So that's straight up eight classic, I mean, I guess the, the... the twins are like not that interesting, but that's at least six like pretty classic level performances that then get doubled, yeah, <laughs> over. So I don't know. It's crazy. It's just nuts. Just like thinking about it, like how just like thinking about like the way they made it, and thinking about like Lupita Nyong'o just giving the just giving the performances of a lifetime in this film. What's interesting about Lupita too mm-hmm. is that she's she's a Juilliard grad. Mm-hmm. Her first film role, Steve McQueen's Twelve Years a Slave, mm-hmm. she wins Best Supporting Actress for it mm-hmm. as a hell of a debut. And then after that, she just does Disney films, which like I don't know. Maybe that's what she wants to do. Maybe she had the fame and then she was ready just to get Mm -hmm. that money Mm -hmm. maybe she wasn't getting offered parts of the substance Mm -hmm. that jordan brings to her but it's like she does the jungle book she's a voice in the jungle book Mm -hmm. she does queen of catway the like disney chess movie Mm -hmm. 
She's in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. She's a voice in all three, voice and mocap in all three of the Star Wars sequels. So, yeah. and like, that's it. Like, that's her filmography. It's her best supporting actress. And then all of these big budget Disney films. And then I think Peel comes along and like crafts something for her. And then she rises to the challenge, which is wild. I feel like the biggest difference between the two movies is just the scale. As mm-hmm. you said, like yeah. they are both so confidently directed. And I think in us is just like so much more of a flex mm-hmm. because he can. But the first one is like, so it's insane that that first one is a debut. I mean, they're kind of like, I don't think it's an exaggeration to compare these movies to like Jaws and Jurassic Park in the Spielberg canon. I mean, obviously, he had a bunch of movies in between all of those, but just, like, two things. Like, one is, like, the very personal, like, tight story, and then the next one is just, like, scale and grandeur and family drama and everything. I do think that he gets a little too lost in the lore on -hmm. us. And my feeling is, looking at this guy, looking at his work, my feeling is he knows the exact amount about everything happening behind the scenes on both of these movies. Like, I would guess that the lore is as thought out Mm, in both mm -hmm. of them to an unbelievable degree. Right. But I think there are, like, the weird questions you have about Get Out, but it just does a better job of telling you what you need to know and keeping it moving so you're not focusing on... Right. You're not getting bogged down in the questions. Like, how does the sunken place work? How does a flash take them out do they know that does that mean they have to stay inside all the time what if they're ever around like other flashing images can you get someone back Mm -hmm. like there are who is this group what else have they done yeah like there are all those questions but i think get out does a better job also kind of because it's relying on a much more classic structure rather than innovating with the structure Mm -hmm. uh it does a better job of grounding you in that character of Chris. Mm -hmm. So you're really concerned about him and really on his side the whole time, which I don't think us is as it doesn't put you in the shoes of any one person to the same degree. And so I think that like when you get that scene where you see like the tethered version of the carnival Mm -hmm. and that's just sort of that just like, I feel like that raises more questions than it answers for me. Mm. Still your number one, though. Still my number one. I love how propulsive it is. I love how many different things you get. I love the Santa Cruz aesthetic and the beach aesthetic. I definitely connotate like a lot of emotion and a lot of terror with being on the beach in the ocean at night. And I think the movie taps into that. Um, And I love the family dynamic. Mm. Get Out is a movie that is so satisfying. Mm -hmm. That is what I would say is the number one sort of thing about it Mm -hmm. is that like the metaphor, the further and further you think about it is Mm -hmm. even more satisfying. Mm -hmm. And the movie, like the end of the movie is the best thing in it and satisfies sort of Mm -hmm. all the disparate threads throughout. And Us is sort of like maybe intentionally not satisfying. Yeah. Like it's much more challenging and it's much more focused on momentum yeah, and, like, figuring out how to deal with things on the fly. 
the world in us just like it terrifies me in its depth Mm -hmm. and like how much stuff is going on although that is true of get out as well like that family has been around for a long time doing that and what else have they done and who else are they in and yeah previous stuff fertile territory if he ever wants to make sequels although i'm just as interested in him keeping like coming up with brand new ideas for each one yeah i definitely am too and i'm excited that he wrote this Candyman movie. I think that too feels like uh, a cool thing, like writing a movie at this point in his career and then just like handing it to someone else. Yeah. Writing another like big budget, full scale horror mm-hmm. allegory movie and then giving it to another up and coming filmmaker to direct. For sure. Is cool. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. we watched Keanu because I feel like it informed a lot of both of the other movies. Yeah, I do feel like the humor in that, but also, like, the playing... Like, all of these movies are about playing different layers of identity. Mm-hmm. And, like, who are you and who are you really? Yeah. And who are you when no one else is there? And, you know, like, who are you playing and mm-hmm. who are you playing for? Yeah. And all of that is through all three of these movies. Yeah, in a huge way. And also in all in very different ways, though, too. Like... The circumstances are all very different. The consequences, the stakes are very different. Yeah. And, like, the changes that are being rung upon the theme, like, the meaning of it gets shifted. Yeah. Too, in interesting ways. In terms of influences, mm-hmm. I love how, inspired by the Twilight Zone, Peel is in general. Mm-hmm. That w- was definitely, like, probably my first real introduction to horror, too. Mm-hmm. And what raised me a lot was there was this one... The first summer when I moved to North Carolina, we lived in a new neighborhood that was just being built. So ours was the only house that was built in the whole neighborhood. Uh, And they were like building others throughout the summer we moved there. We had TV when I was a little kid and then we had it for that one summer. And so I watched like mostly just all Twilight Zone because we had DVD or DVR too. Uh So I would like record the Twilight Zone episodes and then watch them and just terrify myself. I love that idea of like the social based horror, like that the the strongest way to tell a story about what's going on is through a metaphor. Yeah, that's definitely something that I agree with. Yeah, or or that I just try to do in my art. I yeah. don't. Not that there can't be like promising young woman. I think is a very powerful hit the nail on the head over and over and over again sort of. Movie. Yeah, yeah. But I also think like the sad thing is that Peel does the Twilight Zone reboot and it doesn't really hit. Hmm. But that's also not him writing it. Like, he's just hmm. in those. That's, uh, uh, okay. I don't know if you know this, that's a Simon Kinberg joint. Oh, my God. Is we have series. to watch it. Um, So, like, I wish, I obviously wish that those were good and that he was writing them. Yeah. But also, like, I think if they were writing them, they would be these movies. Hmm. I think these movies right. are his Twilight Zone anthology, like yeah. asking myself, what am I interested in talking about today? And For then sure. finding the horror in that. You know, you know, it'd be really cool is like a Jordan Peele anthology horror show a la American Horror Story. Something, oh, sure. Something like that. Sure. I mean, there, I know there's already been American Horror Story, but there could be yeah. another. Yeah. They have very different visions, but they are similar in their confidence of style and their like humor and horror simultaneously. Ryan Murphy and uh, hmm. Jordan Peele. Hmm. I've got this 
quote from Stephen King Ooh. that I saw Jordan Peele mention, and obviously uh, Mr. King, a big influencer on anyone doing any sort of art, yeah. anyone who has watched a movie in the last 50 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's. I'm just going to read it. It's a little bit long, but hang with me. There are three types of terror. Number one, the gross out. The sight of a severed head tumbling down a flight of stairs. It's when the lights go out and something green and slimy splatters against your arm. Number two, the horror. The unnatural, spiders the size of bears, the dead waking up and walking around. When the lights go out and something with claws grabs you by the arm. And the last and worst one, terror. When you come home and notice everything you own had been taken away and replaced by an exact substitute. It's when the lights go out and you feel something behind you. You hear it. You feel its breath against your ear. But when you turn around, there's nothing there. He's so scary. (laughs) I'm so wigged out right now. But I feel you get all of those three, but I feel especially in us, Peel is tapping into that terror. Yeah. Like he is chasing that ideal of the third one. Yeah. And it worked on me. Yeah. It worked on me coming home after seeing us the first time, you know? I mean, I think that's the feeling he hits you with right at the beginning with the quote about the subway. Yeah. It's like, that's that feeling. Yeah. Feeling space, empty space behind you where potentially menacing things could be potent and horrifying idea this idea of seeing yourself that you get Mm. in the vision quest you know yeah like something so horrible that you don't even see it at the beginning and it's sort of like the last shot of the movie is finally yeah seeing exactly what she did when she turns around you know and then i feel that some of the disconnect is like how you where you get from this horrible idea of seeing yourself Mm -hmm. to it's a society called the Tethered, and they were government clones, and they all live underground, and they subside off of rabbits. Like, I feel like somewhere between, like, the thing that a much worse filmmaker would give you, which is just the simple idea, and, like, the elaborate nerdy lore mm-hmm. that he is diving into. I feel like probably most of the films we're going to see throughout his hopefully centuries long career Mm -hmm. is just like evaluating where the movies come on that scale. Yeah. Hmm. You know? Yeah. That's a good point. We were talking about Peele's writing. Yeah. Much has been written about his directing. Mm -hmm. Both great. I think something that people don't give him a lot of credit for is his casting. Hmm. The fact that he kind of broke Kaluuya, who then went on this, this crazy run. The fact that he pulled Allison Williams and the parents in Get Out from sitcoms Mm, mm -hmm. and put them into that. And the fact that he crafts this whole movie around Lupita, Mm -hmm. who's in the middle of just sort of this Disney malaise. I think that's a pretty incredible thing. And also Winston Duke, who's like so charming and hot and funny in us Mm -hmm. like pulling him out of black panther and out of not doing much and being like no i think this guy is a dad and i think he's a good dad Mm -hmm. and like really tuning into that yeah so i don't know i just think that he deserves a little more credit in that area and i feel like every actor should be praying that they get the call from peel yeah to do anything yeah you truly cannot stop the peeling (laughs) Uh, a great director 
Yeah. I hope he has many, many, many films ahead of him for, mm-hmm. to terrify and delight us with. I'm excited now to be moving into our fourth miniseries. That's right. Well, it's going to be the series that begins with, what's it called? Bedtime Story. Bedtime Story. Is carried on with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and concludes with... The Hustle. The Hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a completely very thought-out series. A very thought-out series Um, that we definitely put a lot of time in. (laughs) Here's the scoop on these series, and this is why we're doing it. We're really excited about it. Mm -hmm. We're going to be starting with the 1964 film... Bedtime story. Okay. This film is, uh, was an original idea at the time. It's sort of a buddy cop heist action comedy mm-hmm. starring Marlon Brando and David Niven as an odd couple of two mismatched funny dudes trying to hustle some people. Mm-hmm. This film was remade in 1988 as Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Mm-hmm. Probably the most famous of the three. Directed by Frank Oz, whose career we watch with great interest. Mm-hmm. Starring Steve Martin and Michael Caine mm-hmm. as the same two roles. The movie was then remade a third time in 2019 as The Hustle, starring Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson as the same two parts. Incredible. We get to see three different looks at the same story across, what is that, like 40-some years of filmmaking? Pretty much, almost 60. Almost 60 years. So, a long time, and we're going to talk about it. It seemed like a perfect encapsulation of the thing that this podcast is about. Mm -hmm. Because, like, (sighs) how could you have a more perfect specimen for storytelling changing over time than the same story being told in three different decades? Yeah, and I think, like... The things that is immediately apparent they do Mm -hmm. to change the source material is very indicative of each of the times they're released in. I'm really excited to watch them all in order Mm -hmm. and see that. I will say I've seen none of these films. They could all be terrible. But I think even if they were bad quality, they would still fit this idea that we're chasing. Yeah. Of what is the time something is released and... How does the work reflect that? Yeah, what does it mean to be of the moment? And yeah. were these movies of their moments? That's a good question. We shall see. We shall That's see. a good question. In 2019, if you're telling a story from 1964, how does it feel today? Yeah. How are you changing it? How are you not changing it? Yeah. How does it uh, feel different watching it in that time than it does the other? Togetherness. <laughs> Hustling. Yeah. For, we will be back Next week, next mm-hmm. Tuesday, or this coming Tuesday, I guess, if you're listening to this on Friday, with Bedtime Story. That'll kick us off on May the 4th. May this the 4th movie, be with you. May the 4th be with you, is a little difficult to find, okay. um, which I did not know when we picked the series. But it's not currently streaming anywhere, uh, and it's also out of print. So uh, you're going to have to do some digging to find it. But there are ways to watch it. That's all I'll say. I'll also say that there is another movie, I think, from the 40s with the same name that is much easier to find. So don't get confused. This one is in color, not in black and white. And is the one from the 40s also the same story? Or is no, it not? it's unrelated. Thing. Okay. Unrelated, just the same name. Mm-hmm. But then Dirty Rotten Scoundrels 
and the hustle are both available to stream on any platform so very excited to see it i love heist movies i love people who are doing crimes (laughs) (laughs) thank you to our listeners Mm -hmm. thank you for taking the time out of your days to to listen to us as we do all this stuff Mm -hmm. and we really don't take it for granted we're always trying to think of of how to give you a better podcast and keep you entertained and do movies that you want to see and also show you movies that we think you might enjoy. Mm-hmm. We hope that we'll just keep getting better and thank you for coming on this journey with us. Yeah, we want to be like what Netflix was back when it was cool. We want to send you podcasts in the mail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every week you'll get a CD <laughs> yes. with our podcast printed on it just for you. But we you want, have to send it back. We want you to go online <laughs> and pick which episode you want to listen to, and we will mail you a CD that several other people have listened to of that episode, and you'll have a week to listen to it. And then you'll make sure back. to scratch it up a bunch before you send it back. <laughs> Back in the day, I mean, it was for like one year, but I would, I would alternate between the Netflix free trial and the like blockbuster DVD mail free mm-hmm. trial. Mm-hmm. Cause you could get like a month of both. So I would just like get the movie and I would do it quick. I would like get the movie in the mail and then I would like copy the movie file to my computer from the DVD and then I would immediately send it back. Damn. And then I would watch the movie, but I would just keep them in rotation wow. quick like that. Wow, you're really coming clean to some federal crimes on the podcast. Well, that's my that's my first confession, and I guess we'll hear your confession next week. I guess so. Um. A real prisoner's <laughs> dilemma. Yeah, I will confess to some crimes next week. Stay tuned to what those crimes might be. I may have to commit them before then. Oh, okay, well, love you. Bye. Bye. Stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums, or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. 